0: good morning church my name is Terry Christensen I'm your worship guide for today Um, I have a few announcements first one being um, next Saturday May 6th beginning at nine o'clock we're going to have a church beautification day cleanup day Um, beyond normal cleaning activities we'll mulch and do lawn care we hope uh, cleaning supplies and lunch will be provided you heard me cleaning supplies okay but lunch will be provided don't just come for lunch you got to come and help clean or do a little bit of something. That's next Saturday, starting at 9. Recording of today's service for YouTube and Facebook services um, will not be available until Tuesday. Brian is out of town. He's running a marathon on the West Coast. If you get a chance on Facebook, look at his pictures. He's in a beautiful area of the country. Um, I just wrote this down because I heard a rumor that Steve Bean's aunt is here from East Texas. Right there in the middle. So we welcome you to worship today, and we hope you enjoy it. Um, Liberian student scholarships. Uh, The pledge forms will be available next week on the back table, uh, on the registration table. Uh, More information will be announced on this next Sunday. Um, A mailing also will be going out this week to to those who have previously sponsored a scholarship. And I think the letter reads incorrectly in one part. The cost is up a little bit to $140 for those sponsorships. But again, that'll be uh, talked about more next week. Ministry table, don't forget, we'll be holding a ministry table meeting on Saturday, May 13th at 9 a.m. in the Fellowship Hall. Uh, Rummage sales coming up. Lily and Faith ladies are gonna hold their annual rummage sale. Volunteers are needed. So um, see Charlene Nutter uh, for details on how to sign up to help. Donations are being accepted. Please no clothing or electronics. And beginning May 1st, which is tomorrow, right? Wow. Beginning tomorrow, um, you can drop off your donations in the back room of the Fellowship Hall. Confirmation and Youth Sunday will be on May 21st. Two of our young people, Ayu and Camilla, will be confirmed on that day. Um, Also, this will be Youth Sunday, so please plan to join us for a special Sunday. Nursery and Junior Church volunteers are still needed. um, So if you can help with that, see Jen Hurdle or Angela Martin. Blessing box outside as always needs items. Altar flowers can be given in memory or honor of someone, call the office uh, if you'd like to do that. They're $15 a vase, and to place an order, you can call the office, as I said, or order on our Ezekiel program. Record your attendance on our website. Um, If you need help with that, call the office or ask someone um, that can help you with that. And with that being said, I think that's all the announcements I have. Um, Let us quiet our hearts and minds as we prepare for worship with the lighting of the candles and the carrying in of the processional cross. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please join me this morning in the congregational prayer. O Savior Christ, you lead to immortal happiness those who commit themselves to you. Grant that we, being weak, presume not to trust in ourselves, but may always have you before our eyes, to follow you, our guide, that you, who only know the way, may lead us to our heavenly desires. To you, with the Father and the Holy Spirit, be glory forever. Amen.
1: That you. May be seated. Well, good morning, church. It's great to be with you on this rainy, sunny, whatever day we're having out there, we're having a good time in here, and we're excited for that. Thank you for being with us. For those joining online, hello to you, and thanks for also being here uh, in our presence. I do want to mention to you that uh, we're going to be going now to a time of prayer. Uh, As always, I want to remind you that uh, if you have a prayer request, we have a very faithful group of prayer warriors that pray for these, and so you can send your prayer request in. We take all sorts of uh, shapes and sizes. Anything that you want to pray for, we'll pray for it. You can send it in at prayer at groveportumc.org, just simply send that email. I can always, of course, contact the church office or call me uh, as well. I do want to mention to you that uh, in our bulletin are the uh, uh, or prayer requests, that's what I'm trying to say, for the week, including our sympathies and our other prayer concerns that are listed there. Um, I believe uh, most of the stuff up here is updated. We do uh, have one thing that we want to mention to you in the update, uh, not only is our symp- sympathy with Lisa Castricone and her family and the passing of her mother, that was a week or so ago, we also uh, have that prayer request there from Angela Martin. Um, the, the close friend, Joyce, uh, did pass away, so we want to lift uh, Joyce's family up and lift them up at this time. You see our other prayer concerns that are listed there. I do want to mention to you, uh, in our long-term care, we do have a name to add as well, as, though, as well as those names that you see there. Uh, we just had that one of our church members had a chance to encounter with some of the family of Evelyn Bauer, and uh, we found out that she's actually up at Ashford-on-Broad Um, in a a facility up there and so we do want to lift up Evelyn uh, to our long-term care and we'll get that updated for next week see our active military service there of course we want to continue to pray for them and uh, always of course pray for our church as well you want to mention to you the altar rails are open this morning If you want to come meet with God you can do that here you're welcome to come and uh, we'll have uh, some friends probably come alongside you place their hand upon you and uh, pray for you as well with all that being said let's now go to the Lord in our time of prayer
2: Sweet of Mr. <laughs>
1: O God, who is ever with us, who from age to age has stood fast His people, and that, God, even when your people turn away from you and flee from you, you persist after them. And once we are found, you welcome us with open arms once again. God, you are mighty and glorious, gracious and merciful. And as we're here today, God, we come into your presence once again as the redeemed people, at the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Lord, that is our story, the story of him coming to earth, the story of not only teaching us the kingdom, but when the time was right, paying the price of our sin. But on that cross, our sins were forgiven. Now Lord, in his death, and then in his resurrection, your power was made known. And that God, we are no longer slaves to fear and sin or death. But we are risen in new life with Jesus Christ. God, may this always be the story of who we are, proclaimed among all peoples and all places. May we always find our identity in it, far and above all other things. You are the God, not only of our hearts, but you are the God of your people. We thank you, Lord, for the redemption and the everlasting life that's here and available now. As we hear God, we do lift up the many prayer concerns that are listed in our bulletin. We pray for those concerns that are going on in our community. So, Lord, first of all, we pray for those who mourn here this day. May they feel just your presence. May your Holy Spirit rest upon them. May you give them peace in these moments. Lord, for those who are just going through hard times medically of just having bad news from doctors or whether they have upcoming surgeries, whether they're feeling sick or just their bodies are rebelling against them, Lord, we pray for each of these. Remember, Lord, that you can set all things right with just your word. So, as we're here today, Lord, we have faith in that. And we ask you, Lord, to speak. Speak into our lives, speak into the lives of those we lift up. Their hearts and minds can be transformed, not only with the changing of their body, but by the presence of your Spirit. God, we do lift up those other concerns, of course, that are many and far more than we can name. We pray, Lord, for those who are going through all sorts of heartache of life, whether it be being separated from your family whether it being a crunch of the financial times, whether it be just trying to provide for one's family, looking for work, overcoming addictions, and the many, many other things, Lord, that always plague us and try to bring us down. God, we ask you to speak into each of these moments and each of these parts of our life, Lord, that we could once again proclaim Jesus as Lord, even over those parts, that people could be set free right here and right now. May your windfall just open up and a blessing come on all those who need it. God, we not only lift up these things, but we lift up, Lord, we lift up all the people who are first responders. We lift up those in active military service. Make them be peacemakers for our world, that all could live in peace. We pray, Lord, that you would also be upon those who come here this morning seeking your special touch. Be with them in a very special way this morning. with the prayer request that we always bring to you each and every week, lay before your altar, and perseverantly bring them to you once again this morning, and know, Lord, that you will do good things. God, we pray for your church, we pray for the worldwide congregation of Christians all around the world, that God, we would always be faithful to you, to ever grow closer to Jesus Christ, we pray for ourselves, and work inside our hearts and minds, to become more like them each and every moment, each and every day finally God we pray that prayer that marks us as your followers and declares you are Lord of our life so we pray together our Father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom of The power and the glory forever.
0: Come to a place in the service now um, where we can give back to God. We come to the time of our tithes and offerings. We have several ways you can do that. There is a a plate in the back of the church as you come in you can always put a uh, an offering in there you can mail a check here to the church at 512 Main Street in Groveport and we are passing the plates again um, so we'll be taking the operatory shortly you can also go on our website um, and sign into the Ezekiel giving program and give online that way so do we have ushers this morning that can assist us Amen. Lord, we seek to be the sheep of your holy pasture. As we dedicate these offerings, help us to examine carefully the deepest recesses of our own hearts. Guide our ways so that we may share abundantly your love and your compassion with those seeking your pasture. We pray in the name of the risen one. Amen. Amen. Today's scripture reading comes from the book of Ruth, chapter 1, verses 1 through 10. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, so a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech, his wife's name was Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Malon and Chilion. They were Ephra, I got all these names and then I forgot to look this one up. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem, Judah, and they went to Moab and lived there. Now, Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died and she was left with their two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Orpah and and the other Ruth. After they had lived there about 10 years, Both Malon and Chilean also died, and Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. When Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, she and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With their two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go back each of you to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant you that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them goodbye, and they wept aloud and said to her, We will go back with you to your people. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, good
1: morning, church. Hello to those online and those that are joining us later, welcome, and thank you for being here as uh, we are going to be jumping into a sermon. So I mentioned before that, uh, you know, I don't know how many sermons are left per se uh, these days. I still haven't heard any word myself, so maybe hundreds, maybe six, who knows. But as we're here today, I thought I'd preach on some of my favorite sermons. So we're in a kind of a sermon series, but it's a made up one. It's just called What Jonathan Wants to Preach About and What Are Some of His Favorite Passages of Scripture. Woo! Yeah, all right, there it is, all right. So I know you're excited about that as much as I am, but uh, uh, believe it or not, the book of Ruth is a gem. I love this book. I can't get enough of this book. In fact, when I was going through my ordination process and we had to like, one of the things we had to do was we had to make a Bible study and it had to be, you know, there's certain dimensions to it and all these things. I chose the book of Ruth and uh, I love this book. I actually did a whole study, like we did the whole study thing and I remember when I was at my ordination, you know, meetings, my interviews, they were like, tell us about this. Not many people picked this book and I was like, why not i'm offended you know but no it was just like this is a great book and, and i remember them being so moved actually that this book was picked but it is just a fantastic book for many different reasons and i'm going to be preaching on here but instead of maybe focusing in on maybe just one verse of it i wanted to just kind of take the whole picture together and just kind of just extrapolate extrapolate that is a little bit about some things we can take away um because i think they're really powerful and and if you've ever sat there and you said you know what Every time I read scripture, there's all these stories about, like, big, huge things happening. You know, water being parted and, you know, all sorts of manna from heaven and, like, all these things. You know, and I go about my life and, like, the most miraculous thing that happens is, you know, the microwave, right? And you sit there and you go, what in the world? Well, here's a story for you and for me because God is working through it. But let, first, let's pray. Lord, may the words of my mouth, the meditation of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. The Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Now, there's a couple really important things to know before we just really kind of go quickly through the overview of the story, and that is this. This takes place at a time of the Wild West, right? So if you go back in history, there are the powers and the world powers that are going on. This takes place specifically in the Bible times called the Book of Judges, right? If you ever read through the Book of Judges, it is chaos. And in fact, the very end of the Book of Judges gives a summary of it, and it says, everyone just lived and did what was right in their own eyes. And as you read through the book, you realize not everybody does right in God's eyes, and they do what's right in their own eyes, whatever, basically whatever they want to do. And so this story that we're about to walk through and talk about happens in the midst of great greed, great just passion, great just calamity, great wars, great, I mean, just everything under the sun is going on, and people are just spiking people left and right and doing all sorts of horrible things, and then you get this story, in the middle of it. The second thing is this, I just want you to think for a minute that, uh, just to pretend for a minute that, even if you are not, but just pretend for a minute, you are the head of your family, right? So think about whatever family you have, just pretend for a minute you're the, like, the patriarch, matriarch, whatever, and uh, you had a specific job role in the society, and the job role was this, you were what was called the kinsman redeemer. In other words, your job was to take care of the family, and if something went wrong, it was your job to fix it. You're the fixer, Right? Now, fixing could look like a bunch of different things. It could look like this. If someone was killed, guess what your job is? You're to go find and get justice. Like, this is the Wild West. I'm sorry. This is your job to be the sheriff, put on your deputy badge, and go out guns blazing and find the person and get them, right? That was your job. But a whole bunch of things underneath there happen. And in fact, one of the things that would happen is if people in your family suddenly found themselves destitute, guess what your job was? Your job was to take care of them. And furthermore, because God had given the land to the Israelites and had specifically said, you know, here's kind of the divvy out of the land that I want, and I want it passed down to your generations, your job was not only to take people of your extended family into your own home, your job was to preserve the land for them, even provide heirs in their land so that one day it could stay in that family's name, not your name, but in that family's name, so to speak, and be descended upon and descended upon to make sure that everything was put right. You were the fixer. You were what was called the kinsman... Redeemer. And we're going to get a story here today about a guy who's a kinsman Redeemer. But more remarkable, we're going to get a story about someone who's not even an Israelite, who's called a person of noble character. And real quickly, here's the story. If you've ever read it, you know this very much by your heart. But the story of Benjamin starts like we did, right? When we start out, there's a famine in the land and there's a guy, Elimelech and his wife, Naomi, and they, they have their two sons. They go off to Moab because there's some food over there. Now do know this, the Moabs and the Israelites did not get along. They liked to fight a lot, so to go over there was kind of a risky thing. And in fact, it was said in Scripture that the Moabites, when the Israelites came into the land, the Moabites didn't help them, even though there was some kind of long-term family kin there. And so they were not supposed to even really be with the Israelites. Like, they were supposed to be water and oil, so sort to of speak. And so it was a big deal to have a Moabite uh, with you. But anyways, they go over there, they, they end up, the sons end up getting married, uh, the, the husband dies, Elimelech passes away, and then the sons die which leaves Naomi, the Israelite, who's had to flee her land because of all that stuff. She's left everything behind. She's gonna plan to come back to it to get her inheritance and all that stuff, but now she's lost her sons and she's got two Moabite daughters-in-law, right? You can imagine the plight that she's in in this moment of all these different things, of being in a foreign land that's very hostile to you, being with two daughters-in-law that have kinda gone against the grain and, and married people they weren't supposed to they're kind of going to be ostracized and all these things. God has blessed the land back in back in Bethlehem, which is where they're from. So they come back, but on the way, Naomi looks and she realizes these two daughters-in-law have no future with me. If they come back with me, as much as they cling to me and love me and as much as we're family, I have no—they have no future. I have no one to find husbands for them. I have no one. To, there's just. There's nothing for me to go back to. I don't even, I have to kind of reclaim my inheritance, and who knows what's going to happen with that. She's pretty much fairly destitute at this moment. And so she tells the daughter-in-law, she says, go back. Go back to your own peoples. I set you free. Like, go back, be with your people, live your life, do your thing. And, of course, as we read, they both cling to her, and they say, no, we're going to stay with you. And there's another exchange that we didn't get to, but the other exchange happens. And finally, one of the sisters-in-law, Orpah, she goes back but Ruth. The Moabite clings, it says, to Naomi, clings to her and says, I'm going to go with you. And in essence, she says, you know what? Because Naomi even says, go back to your gods. Like, you don't even need, you don't need to come back with me. Who knows what I'm going back to? And and Ruth basically says, nope, I'm going to cling to you. Your gods are going to be my gods. Your future is going to be my future. Whatever happens to you is going to happen to me, and I'm going to be here and be with you. So that's what happens. They go back, and of course, they're not in the greatest terms. They go back to their town, and in fact, the whole town looks at Naomi and also looks at Ruth, right, the Moabite who's not supposed to be there, and they basically, it says, the whole town was stirred up when they saw Naomi. And Naomi says, he's heartbreaking words. He says, don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara. I'm bitter. Because the Lord has brought bitterness into my life. You can see the story from there. Well, the story from there goes like this. You would think it might end there and just bad luck, you know, horrible things. But it's amazing how when people do simple good things, what happens? In fact, this story is one of my favorite stories because I love stories that don't have any bad guys in it. You ever, like, I don't know if you ever thought about this, but it's, if you ever have a story without a bad guy, you have to have a good plot line for it to work, right? I mean, it has to really kind of come together. And this is a story that has no bad guys in it whatsoever. There's not a single one. Everybody does exactly what they're supposed to do, and the end result happens in this way. You see, Naomi tells Ruth, she says, hey, you know what? Uh, One of the things we're allowed to do is go out to the fields and glean, because it was always written in the law of Moses to not go back. When people had their fields and they owned it, whenever they collected the barley and wheat, you know, there's always something left behind. Well, in olden days, they would go back again and get it. But God said to the Israelites, do not do that. Not you. You're going to be different than everybody else. What I want you to do is leave it. Let those who are poor and those who need food come back and glean themselves, pick up what they need, whatever they can find, and provide sustenance for them. So, this is what Ruth is going out to do. So, imagine she's left her family doing all these things. She's clung to a woman who she just loves, you know, and she's just going to be there. And so, she goes out to this field, finds a field, and goes out in Bethlehem. You can imagine her, you know, uh, for me, I got corn stalks near where we live, so I just imagine that. But I just imagine walking through all the, the, you know, the, the cut down Sid grain and barley and she's just going through and picking up whatever she can and of course the owner of the field his name is boaz guess who he is he's that patriarch person we talked about the kinsman redeemer it's his job to help he's the fixer and he comes out and he sees her and he says he says to his servants he says what is who's this woman and they tell her hey this is that you know the woman you heard about ruth the moabite who clung to naomi this is her And he says oh okay he says you know what don't bother her because it was, again, a risky thing. If you were a woman and you weren't you know, tied to somebody and you were out and you were just available, so to speak, anybody could just take you and do whatever they want. And so it was a very risky thing for her to be out there. And Boaz says, "Nope, protect her. In fact, let her come and, and do all sorts of things. And she, they even having lunch, he gives her this great big lunch, if you will, stuff that's even left over. And then he says to her, hey, you know what? Pick whatever you want. And he tells all his servants, he says, you know what? Let her even pick from the sheaves. right?" So when you get the image of this when they're cutting it down, right? there's the men cutting it down and then there's some women servants coming afterwards and they're picking up the sheaves now whatever they miss is fear for free game for anybody and Boaz specifically tells them let her work with my women and actually take from the sheaves that are rightfully his right because he's so impressed with this woman of noble character of Ruth and so he says that so of course Ruth goes home to Naomi Naomi sees what's in the bag and says oh my gosh where did you go today? Like, this is great, this is amazing. Whoever it is has found kindness in your eyes, like you don't go in anybody else's field, go back there and stay with them. And of course Ruth tells her, hey, I went to Boaz's field. And she goes, this is one of our Kinsman Redeemers, hurrah! Right? She's all excited, but of course, there's some, some little nitty gritty details with how Kinsman Redeemer works and some things that have to happen. So Ruth, of course, goes back out into the field the next day, is given all these great things. And eventually this goes on for a while, Eventually, there's the barley harvest, and eventually, there's the barley threshing, where they bring it to the threshing floor. And it becomes known, Naomi, that this is going to be the night. So Naomi turns to Ruth, and she says, daughter of mine, I have to find a future for you. And even though it's a long shot, she says, Ruth, here's what I want you to do. This is a risk-taking mission. This is a double op, you know, this is a 007 risk-taking, like, secret operative mission that Ruth is set on. He says, like, go into the middle of the night after everybody's had a good party, right? Because this is a big festival. Whenever you had the gathering in of all the grain and threshed it in those days, they have this gathering in. And once Boaz has, you know, had a good time, he's gonna basically sleep next to basically where his threshing floor is, he's gonna sleep right there because he didn't want anybody coming in and taking his stuff. He's gonna sleep right there. When he does, I want you to sneak in. I want you to uncover his feet, which is kind of weird, but lay down at his feet and cover yourself. Now, I don't recommend doing this for anybody per se. But in the olden days, there was a certain message that was going on there, and basically it was this. By taking that cloak and spreading it over her, she was making sure that he, she, the request was being made known, like, make me a part of your family. Spread your protection over it. And the fact that she was, of course, didn't come in and just demand this, but, but did this in, and did it in a humble way where, in a, out of sight from everybody where no one could see, shows that she's doing this in a very pure-hearted way, and the fact that she does lay it at his feet shows how the servant's heart of just, I'm just trying to... to save us, you know, all these type of deals are going on in this imagery that happens. Of course, Boaz wakes up in the middle of the night, there's a woman at his feet, right? (laughs) And it stirred off its root. He says, you know, she says, well, what do you want? And she, she tells him, and he basically says, I'm gonna get this fixed. Blessed are you, you are a woman of noble character. You did not chase after young men that were good looking. You came after someone, you know, and you did the right thing. You did exactly what the Israelites were supposed to do. He says, oh, there's one little hiccup. There's somebody actually who has uh, the rights to be your kinsman redeemer before I do. we got to get this worked out. So he gives her a whole bunch of barley, right? This whole big bag, you can imagine just her carrying it, you know? She gives this big bag of barley, goes back to Naomi, and Naomi goes, tell me the juicy details. What happened? What happened? What happened? Right? So Ruth tells her all that happened, shows her all the barley that she was given, and Naomi goes, be rest assured, he will take care of this this. Fast forward the story, next morning, Boaz goes to the town gate, because this is where you do business, this is your your town hall meeting, if you will. Boaz is there, and then all of a sudden he waits for the other kinsman redeemer. He calls across ten elders of the town to come forward and be a witness, and he says, hey, guess what? You remember Naomi, who's back in town? She's going to be selling her field. You have the right, as the first kinsman redeemer, to buy it. Now, of course, here's kind of what's happened, is when Elimelech died, there were sons, so rightfully that land passed on to the firstborn son, Malin. Malin died, so it's with Naomi. So when they do this, the, the catch with this and how this works is that whoever would would take the field has to take Malin's wife as his own. And furthermore, has to help provide an heir to Malin's wife that will not be his own child, but will be considered Malin's child to continue on the family heritage. See how this works? So he offers up the field, the person says, yes, I will take it, that'll be great, I'll buy it. He says, oh, by the way, <laughs> there's a little stipulation with this, you have to marry Ruth, and Naomi will also come into your household and be part of your house at that time, and it's your job to take care of Naomi, and also you have to help provide a Ruth. Now there's all these little rules we don't quite understand, but in essence, the guy who's, who's gonna redeem says, wait a minute, I can't do this, not because it's necessarily a, it's a horrible idea, but just because it actually, by doing this, it endangers my own estate with my own heirs. And he says, I can't do this if you can't do it. And Boaz says, I will do it. So there's a whole weird deal where he takes off a shoe, gives him the shoe, and, and then all these things happen. Handshakes are made, everybody's happy, things are signed, right? And then they, sure enough, that's what happens. Of course, you look at this story at this point, and you go, a lot of, lot of story for something that seems just sort of an ordinary person thing going on. At the very end, of course, you get the lineage of, get this, the Moabite, who the Israelites aren't supposed to intermingle with at this point in history, being Boaz's. And through their sons and their descendants, just a few down the road, comes David. King David. As in, like, you have Moses, and you have, like, Abraham, and then, like, there's David. Like, we're going to... Take top three people in the Old Testament, you got them right there, right? So this is David, it comes King David, is actually born from a descendant, not only from a Moabite, but a woman of noble care. In this great story. Now that's the whole story in a nutshell. You don't even have to go read it. I just gave the whole thing to you. But I want to just kind of think about this for a minute. What I what I love about this story, and it's kind of odd to hear from a pastor, is God's work is never declared in the sense of. God showed up and did this. Just think about that. And actually, the only times God's name is used in this is in kind of like the prayerful kind of ways where, where Naomi or Ruth would just say, praise the Lord, or something like that. This story happens in the middle of a degraded society where all sorts of stuff was going on. And there were people taking care of them. Just think about that for a minute. There were people doing exactly what God had told them to do. They were doing it with a pure heart. I know it sounds weird with marrying your, you know, people's wives. and, provide, and I know that sounds all weird, but in there it was totally normal. And the whole idea was not to rent your own self, but to help the lineage of someone else and actually help the people of God continue on through future generations. So I know that sounds weird, but at the same time, everybody in here is doing this with a pure heart. And the amount of goodness that comes from it, in fact, at the very end, Naomi is just spent rejoicing. It talks about all the ladies gather around her as she holds up this son of Ruth, and Naomi's just sitting there, and they're calling her blessed, and they're, they're just telling Boaz, and all the people are telling Boaz, bless you, may you be just, just like our our you know ancestors, and may you just have a whole nation spring out from you and from your seed that you'll have with Ruth. When I was a kid, I, uh, anybody here like Legos? Yeah. So I may be a kid at heart because um, recently, there were some Legos that uh, came out that were Lord of the Rings Legos. And they were like adult Legos, right, that were fairly expensive. And maybe your pastor had to buy it for his kids, right? So uh, anyways, uh, so I bought some Legos. But anyways, I grew up loving, loving Legos. I love Legos. Still do to this day. Whenever other kids are playing, I'll play with them and build all sorts of stuff and have fun with it. But I loved, when I was a kid, I loved uh, the castle legos, right? So I had my feudal kingdoms and all the different things I would always set up and have these storylines going. But I remember as a kid thinking to myself, you know, it's kind of interesting. I'm playing with these Legos, and I'm telling all these stories. Kind of like, in some ways, it's sort of like I'm a god. They're like my little people, right? And I had this kind of thought, right, of this kind of analogy. And, and I thought to myself, you know, it's kind of interesting that the real god doesn't play with the people, like I play with my Legos, right, because I determine everything about this person, and I choose what they do, and this villain over here, and this good guy over here, and blah, 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 and they do all these different things, you know, and I'm, I'm playing with my little toy set. The thought occurred to me, like, I was, this was truly like God, like, all these little figurines would be doing the best job they could to just live in the world that they did with understanding who I was and how, what I told them to do, right, and so I had this thought of like, you know, if I just, had all my little Lego people, and I just said, all right, guys, here's what I want you to do, X, Y, Z, right? Do it. Then I would just sit back and watch, right? I thought about the idea of, you know, there would be times I'm sure things would go super wrong, and I would jump in, you know, and the castle that was destroyed I would put back together or whatever. But more or less, I would take so much joy in watching the little Lego people do exactly what I told them to do not only have to just do what I do, but to do things that brought life or brought good things about, you know, watching them build the things instead of, like, fighting wars or whatever and all these different things. And the same thought occurs to me here in this sense is, you know where I think God is in this story? We know God's always present with us. We know God's in the story, even though God doesn't specifically say God's doing X, Y, Z. God's smiling. He's looking around at the rest of the people, and they're living every underway way under the sun, doing everything horribly wrong, worshiping other gods, doing all sorts of different things, all sorts of just hating. and. and here comes Ruth and Boaz. And here comes Naomi. And here comes those other people that are surrounding them. And, and without God just sitting there and watching what happens, right, just people doing what he's told them to do, a whole family is redeemed. Not only is a whole family redeemed, but a whole people of God is per- is it continued on in the lineage. The, the, the land is protected by under the same, li- the way that God wanted it kind of divvied out. Not only that, but Ruth is brought into the Israelites and this woman of noble character who forsook all her gods and came to the Lord was welcomed and, and just celebrated, if you will. And then also in that moment, you see this, whole, this wonderful thing where God works just through these ordinary means of ordinary people to do this extraordinary thing. King David, about. And of course, fast forward the story, the Gospel of Matthew tells us the lineage of Jesus. Guess who's on that lineage? King David. If we go back a little further in that same lineage, guess who else is mentioned? Boaz. It's amazing, those small little tiny things that we do for the world, we do for each other, we do for our communities, all those little things, when we think God's not watching, when we think God's not even part of it, we only feel maybe his presence, but we're just acting in faith, doing exactly what he's told us to do. All of a sudden, one day, we see God do some miraculous Church, when we do things like when we do our feeding, when we go do our, you know, blessing blocks, when we go do our food pantries, when we go do clair Missions, when we go do angel trees, when we go do Liberian scholarships, when we go do all these things. You know where God is? He's smiling. He's having a joy. Because as people in the midst of a chaotic world, in a world where it would be so easy to choose to do what was right in our own eyes and just do what we wanted, Instead, we'd be following his words, bringing life upon life upon those that were around us, even to the point where those who weren't even part of the people of God would want to come in and be part of the people of God. See, that's God working through the order, through the extraordinary. Let us pray. Lord, as we're here today, we thank you so much for your word and we thank you so much for this story. And God, again, as I just think about this story, I love this story. I love how, Lord, just your people did exactly what you've told them to do. They did it with humbleness of heart. They did it with meekness. But also those who were in power did everything they were supposed to do, and everything was set right by the end. And God, even though it doesn't say that you and your own work came down and did something mighty, but you used normal people doing normal things, doing exactly what you've told them to do to bring about redemption and the inclusion of others. So God, as we're here today, we pray, Lord, that we could do likewise, that we would never see just small things that we do of acts of kindness, or small things that we do that are acts of charity, and think of them as something apart from you. Lord, we would see them once again as a seed that's sown, that will reap a harvest. We have faith in this, Lord, because we have faith in you. We have faith in your goodness, and we know you're with your people. We pray all this, in Jesus'
3: name, amen.
0: I'm sorry, please stand as you're able this morning for our closing hymn, How Great Thou Art.
1: Just a quick reminder, we're going to have some fun on the cleanup day on uh, this coming Saturday, right? Now, don't imagine like when your mom told you to go clean your room and it was miserable. This is like the Muppets when they clean in the movies. This is going to be awesome. We're going to have a great time. Come on out, have fun with us. And uh, if you like mulching and all that, we'll even have that for you too, rain or shine probably. Uh, as we go, I do want to uh, also just read this uh, benediction to you that comes from the very end of Ruth. Now, remember, when Ruth first got back to Bethlehem, she re- she told the ladies, call her bitterness. At the end of the story, the women said to Naomi, Praise be to the Lord, who this day has not left you without a kinsman redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. For the daughter in law who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons has given birth to him. May the Lord, who works through very ordinary means, do extraordinary things. To each of you now and forever. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
2: Because
0: everyone.